Welcome to another sparkling edition of The Thought Police with me, Mike Graham, and him, Kevin O'Sullivan. Uh, we're both on talk radio these days, but we do The Thought Police um, as a sort of an added bonus for everybody, really. Very people much seem so. to be, People seem we're to be quite enjoying it. We're too generous to everyone, I think. We really are. You know, people seem to quite like it, apart from a few uh, recalcitrant types. Well, the people who don't like it are the people who make it worthwhile. <laughs> well, exactly right. I mean, I, I quite enjoy joshing with them. There's one bloke who keeps who keeps telling us how awful it is. but are fascists. does it every week for some bizarre reason. Anyway, yeah. let's talk about football, because it's great to see the football season's back in play. Premier League starts this weekend, right? Yes. Um, however, we've had a nice little international break, which mm. has done two things. It's allowed us to laugh at uh, the people that organised Soccer Aid, or whatever it's called, uh-huh. right? because they didn't think that if they asked Yaya Toure to take part, that he would put out some kind of message on WhatsApp in which mm. he would boast about how he could get 19 hookers into his hotel yeah. for anyone that wanted to help him out. Um yeah, he didn't quite get it, the menu about the, the memo about the spirit no, of soccer aid. No, and, and also then put out a <laughs> pornographic picture of a woman in a bath, despite the fact, um, apparently, that there were quite a lot of women on the WhatsApp group that he was sending it to, um, and he was immediately dropped by soccer aid. I mean, I do wonder sometimes when you get these organisations that deal with people like footballers. I mean, what do they expect footballers to be like? Do they expect them to be like choir boys? Uh, well, if they do, uh, they've got uh, another thing coming. And then, of course, we have our two young England heroes yes. distinguishing themselves <laughs> in Iceland with more soccer fun, Foden and Yeah, these are Greenwood. the guys yeah. who were found having smuggled in two girls, I think, into the hotel in Icelandic. rooms. Uh, two Icelandic girls. Mason Greenwood, 18. Phil Foden, 20. Um, again... That's what footballers do, isn't it? But they, apparently they broke the local COVID restrictions yeah. and got fined by the Icelandic police. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, the manager, once again, had to swing the axe and act all tough. Right. Uh, but it's about time uh, he acted a bit tougher because it's getting to be a, like an almost weekly embarrassment. You've well, got... so there's Harry Maguire, which yeah. we talked about the yeah. other week, right? So now there's these two young guys who were called up, I think, for the first time to the senior squad. One of them plays for Manchester United, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, what, what, were the, what? Man United, Man City, so the pride uh, of Manchester. The pride of Manchester, great stuff. And then Yaya Toure, who I think is probably now too old to play for Manchester City, but is still yeah, used to, is he still much, on their books? He might be, I don't know. He probably is for about 300 grand a year. Or probably, something. but this is the thing. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day about this, that, you know, here's a guy who makes so much money. I mean, he was on something like 400,000 a week. He's one of the highest paid footballers in the world. Yeah. In the world you know? So for him to organise a sort of 20 hookers to come over for whatever it is that they, they cost. Say they cost, I don't know, two grand each or something. <laughs> it's only 40,000 quid. It's not even like two... It's not even a full, full day's pay, is it? But don't these people have any kind of moral compass no. at all? I mean, even the two young guys in Iceland, OK, one's 18, one's 20. They've got a lot to learn in life. But you think they might have worked out that's not the way to behave when you're representing your country. And when you're also under quite a bit of a media gaze, I would imagine, because England, I mean, what we forget, right, because we're from here, if you go, if England goes to Iceland, that's quite a big deal for Iceland. Yeah, yeah. You know, they make it, they make out that they want to win the game. There's sort of round-the-clock media coverage. You know, people are quite excited because mm-hmm. these are people they watch from the Premier League every week. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a big deal. And well, one of them, by the way, the 20-year-old, I think, has already got a long-term girlfriend and a, and a, mm-hmm. and a son, yeah, age yeah, one. Yeah, Phil, Phil Foden. Uh, and uh, Southgate has obviously swung the axe, uh, dropped them from the squad. Both of their clubs, to their credit, have denounced their behaviour. Right. So they're properly in the doghouse. But it does make you wonder why 
people like Gareth Southgate and indeed Manchester United and Man City cannot get the message through to these younger players. Come on, behave yourself. Mm. Don't be so pathetic. But of course, they're part of a culture uh, whereby they just think they rule the world. Mm. They get so, they've got so much money, more money than sense. Uh, anytime they're in any trouble, their clubs bring in the top lawyers. Uh, they they, they uh, buy proceed their way out with impunity. They? Don't they, they basically buy their way out. Yeah, of they everything. proceed through life often chaotically, but with impunity. Yeah. Well, I mean, I used to know when I was um, when I was a bit, when my kids were a bit younger. Um, one of them was quite interested in playing a bit of football. But it very quickly became clear that it was a very poisonous place to spend time because there's a lot of very pushy parents who now see their kid playing in the Premier League as a kind of way out of all sorts of um, working situations, a way for your kid to make so much money that you never have to worry about money ever again. And the amount of pushing and kind of cajoling that goes on to get young kids from the age of about seven or eight, basically, and sometimes younger, mm into clubs i mean because you can you can go and be signed up by chelsea or man united yeah. at the age of seven yeah yeah so it's the new stage school yeah. in the old days people, yeah. mums pushy parents used to try and get their kids into show business right. so they became rich stars right. the new showbiz if you like is football get yeah. your kid into man city or man united and who knows fairly soon they might be on 300 grand a mm. week uh, happy days for the family yeah it's, it's a pernicious in, uh, culture big house in the caribbean bob's your uncle but unfortunately, the people that they have to kind of mix with, and I'm, I've always been slightly um, un, uneasy, really, about forcing kids to do anything. You know? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, luckily, my young, my, my, one of my youngest actually kind of just lost interest in it after a while. But I remember taking him to this terrible kind of, you know, recreation ground in the middle of winter. You know, it was snowing. It was, you know, freezing cold. He had his football boots on. Um, and, you know, the guy was this rather gruff mm -hmm. sort of... Um, Is it like know. trials for... A yeah, it was well, it was just, it was a local football sort of club for oh, boys, okay. you okay, know. Okay, okay. And he was going along to see if they wanted him to be a part of it. Mm. I went to pick him up in the afternoon and he had a, he had a little um, trophy that they'd given him. But he was freezing. He was, <laughs> I mean, his feet were covered in mud. Because, you know, being Britain, it's not like um, you've got any kind of facilities at all to speak of. You've got a muddy field... He was covered in mud. You know, you can imagine the, the, the sort of the shouting and the barking that was being done. And people used to, I mean, when, when my older kids used to do a little bit of it, people would get, parents would get into fights on the touchline. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that I mean, uh, little league, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Little league punch-ups. Just of, unbelievable. Of the and they take it so seriously, I know, I you know? know? The, thing, the trouble with all this is, uh, you know, if you've got a brilliant kid uh, who's amazing at football, then good luck to him uh, or her. I hope they make it in the game. Yeah. But... Pushing your kid to become the next big Man United, Man City, England star on 300 grand a week uh, means you are pushing your kid towards almost certain crashing dis disappointment. Yeah. You know, a yeah, vanishingly small... Because by small, far and away, the, most the, of them, the largest yeah. number of them don't make it. Yeah, 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 yeah no, exactly. And they, they, they still can play professional football, mm. but for a much lower amount of money mm. in a much lower league. When I was a kid, I went through several trials for London clubs like Arsenal and West Ham and things. That wasn't a bad little football. Uh -huh. But when, I remember when I turned up for the first set of trials and I watched the first set of kids playing, I thought, oh, I don't think I'm going to make the grade <laughs> I wasn't really Well, it's like when you realise that you're, you're, you might be the best kid in the playground, but yeah, there's lots no, of other no, kids who are not bad. No, I, funnily no. enough, I once went to, when we were at the Express, we used to play a lot of five-a-side football. Um, which was never a good idea because inevitably there was a bit of drink taken. A few beers before, first. <laughs> well, first of all, there was the sobering up from lunchtime yeah. scenario, right? And then we'd meet in a... We used to go to Spitalfields, right, where they had all these five-a-side mm. pitches. But we entered one time into a, um, 
a competition that was going to be held at Highbury, right? So we went on at Highbury. It was great because, you know, it's always nice to go in behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. They had this fantastic, um, you know, five-a-side pitch and it was a whole, a whole lot of different media teams. And we ended up doing quite well, getting into, like, the semi-final. We played against Sky and Sky had um, Sir Alex Ferguson's son working there at the time. This is the guy who I think later on became uh, an agent. Football agent, yeah. Yeah, and the one that he boycotted the BBC over mm-hmm. because they basically accused him of being, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we had a guy on our team called Bob McKenzie who was a rather sort of um, stocky Scotsman who kind of played right back in five-a-side. He never really moved. He just stood at right back, you know. <laughs> anyway, he got into a bit of a tussle. Rock of the defence, literally. <laughs> yeah, he got into a bit of a tussle with this guy, Ferguson. And he got, they both got up and he just went smack, <laughs> smacked him straight in the mouth, knocked him out, got sent off. I'm going, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm not having that. Fuck out that fucking, you know, he swore at me. Yeah. I'm like, all right, that was brilliant, absolutely I hilarious. Played, I played for the uh, Sunday Mirror once, uh, the Sunday Mirror team against, it might have been the Express actually, uh, and I was the one for sort of nippy little forward mm. and I had uh, the... Uh, Honour to be sent off after 30 seconds. Well done. That's <laughs> 30 seconds I was sent well, off. We once played, a, we played an, uh, an Express and Daily Star team where there was a, there was a competition where Littlewoods used to be the um, sponsors of the FA Cup. Mm, yeah. and they, well, so we played a game at the old Wembley. We played a tournament at the old Wembley. There's actually a, a, a video of it, which I have on VHS, mm-hmm. which is punctuated most famously by me standing on the sidelines smoking right, <laughs> shortly before one of the games. But we ended up getting to the final somehow. Um, without, I think we won everything on penalties because we know nobody actually ever scored a goal. <laughs> um, and um, we got to the final and it was against the Sun. And we knew things were going to be bad when the, the referee called everybody into the centre circle and said, if anybody's wearing any jewellery, please remove it now. Everyone from the Sun went off because they were all ringers, <laughs> right? They were all like guys that they brought in from Leighton Orient, the various yeah, West Ham right, boys, yeah. you know. Every time you play a newspaper, they yeah, what do you do? Uh, what do you do at the Sun? Eh? Uh, <laughs> I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a messenger. I appear in the sports I'm me- pages. I'm a messenger. <laughs> right. But we actually won, right? Des Kelly, uh, I think, scored oh. the goal. Um, he was playing for us. And uh, so we got to walk up the steps. And it was quite good fun. Yeah, good fun. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we all used to play a bit of football in the day. But, mm. but I don't, you don't get the sense that people do much of that anymore, do you? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, sports are, are not... I mean, everyone's it, cycling everywhere. Sports but... are not encouraged at school anymore, are they? Not really. Because, because it... I mean, my kids do PE, but there's no sort of football team to speak of from the school, no, which my school has. Because they don't really like competition anymore, do no, they? No, they really don't. So when I was at school, and I'm sure when you were at school, we had drummed into us that it was great to win and it was shit, yeah. shit to lose. Right. Uh, and I still feel that about everything. And I think it was a good thing to be taught. Now they think it's a bad thing to teach kids, which oh, no. is stupid. Although, I mean, it seems to still produce reasonably good footballers because we still do produce some reasonably good footballers yeah, in this country. Yeah, yeah. and then they, they, go, just don't know then how they to go behave. To, then they go to Iceland <laughs> and piss around with models and, uh, and disgrace themselves. Yes, right. Well, I mean, as I say, I'd oh, be disappointed. Way, I'd be disappointed if they didn't do that. I've got to say, this is the real disgrace mm. of England in Iceland, was the performance of England Do you know, I didn't see the game. Absolutely pathetic. They won, though, right? Uh, yeah, just. They got a penalty in the last minute, Then, I, uh, which... Uh, but this is the problem with Gareth Southgate, right? Gareth Southgate came in and everybody went, oh, it's a breath of fresh air, isn't he great? What Fantastic, guy, isn't he great yeah. the way they're playing? And it's now just back to the so same old It was, it was shot, square ball, keepy-ball-y. Yeah. Right. Hopeless, absolutely hope. Very lucky uh, with the last-minute penalty. Presumably Harry Maguire wasn't playing, was he? Uh, no, Harry, Harry's, uh, I think... I'm not sure. I think it's non grata. I think he's not supposed to be fit. Uh, and also well, I'm not surprised after all that champagne. Yeah, yeah, he's and been drinking too much. Too, in many, too many lobsters. 
Anyway, By the way, I see, of... I see Mykonos is now on the banned list, isn't it? It's now on the quarantine uh, yeah, list. Yeah, they, they brought in a load of Greek islands last night. Yeah. Um, but uh, talking of... Uh, Film stars right. uh, and big names. I see that uh, the government has recruited Jean-Claude Van Damme to do uh, medical yes, announcements. That's now. great, isn't it? And, uh, he's, he's one of our many deputy chief medical officers. Jean-Claude. Yeah, Jean-Claude uh, Van Damme. What's his real name? Jonathan, Jonathan Van, Van Tam. Tam. I yeah. actually used to quite like him when he did the briefings because the briefings, mm. he seemed to be slightly less kind of stuck up uh-huh. than old, uh, what's his name, the chief medical officer, Witty. Because Witty always seemed a bit aloof to me. Whereas Jonathan Van Tam seemed to be a bit more, had a bit more of the common touch. Yeah. But his latest um, sort of uh, pronouncement is all doom and gloom, isn't it? Well, you know, th- th- what I think is getting v- very curious is the way that not so long ago they told us every day the death count. Right. Particularly when a thousand people a day were dying at the beginning of the They're lockdown. They're not doing that anymore, are they? Uh, now they say, oh, cases are rising. <laughs> uh, people <laughs> between the age of 17 to 21 are particularly affected. Uh, this is very worrying. 3,000 new cases. Today, they don't mention that there are only 700 people in hospital, and in fact, hospital mm. admissions are going down. And they don't, mo- most importantly, while we get these graphs and why we should be scared, and old John Claude Van Damme coming <coughs> up saying, Oh, it's terrible, here comes the second wave. What they don't mention was the death toll that day was two. <laughs> two! I mean... Two! We are now, it seems to me, they are twisting these statistics uh-huh. to bombard us with a kind of propaganda, definitely to keep us scared. But then they're wondering why people aren't going back to work and going back to offices. And, because I mean, they're keeping us scared. You know, I got on the, the train yesterday for the first time in a while, and it was a bit busier, I would say, um, when I got on the train. But I got on the platform at Canada Water, there was not one soul. I took a picture and put it out. Not one person uh, on the yeah, platform. Yeah. This was at quarter past six, normally yeah. rush hour, right? Yeah. And everyone on the train was wearing a mask. But then... I went out for dinner, got on another train at about quarter past 11. On that train, nobody was wearing a mask, presumably because they were all out. They had a few beers and they forgot. And they'd either forgotten or they just couldn't be bothered. Yeah, after a few beers, you don't care anymore. Do you know, I just just don't get it. But I think, is this really anything we should all be shit scared of anymore? Because they're now saying, uh, Matt Hancock's now saying, oh, it's uh, now young urban professionals are getting it. Uh, Well, excuse me, where are they supposed to be operating? But he also said none of them will die from this. So what are we so scared of? But also all these urban young professionals are working from home, aren't they? (laughs) I mean, mean, none of them actually in the office. Well, they're trying to, again, I see this as a kind of weird, twisted propaganda. Mm. They're trying to link the alleged return to work, uh, that people are going back to the office, with this vague uh, notion of a second wave. Mm. Second wave isn't actually happening. I think there are 52 people on ventilators in the whole country. 67 million people in the country, folks. And also, as I said to you last week, I think, most of these 52 will have been on them for a while. They're not just being put on them. It's not just like a new case. Yeah, I mean, it's very... uh, uh, Jonathan Van Tam's uh, declaration yesterday was very strange. It was very sort of chilling. Beware. Be sure. This is going to get worse. And and, And don't harm your granny. Yeah, yeah, don't kill your Piss granny. Off. Don't kill your granny. My granny's already dead, yeah, so fuck I mean, you. Both my grannies are dead, yeah, actually, well, so, so it doesn't apply em. to me, obviously. Yeah, fuck them. You know. Um, it, it's uh, very strange. Uh, they, they clearly want to keep us on alert. I don't mind that, I suppose. But don't, in the same breath, say you've got to all go back to work. Right. If you want to frighten the nation, they're going to stay in their own homes, exactly aren't right. they?
Well, that's the problem, right? But it clearly seems to me that outside, I mean, maybe we're just being incredibly London-centric here, and I get a lot of this from people on social media, because obviously we live in London, so that's mm. what we talk about. But I mean, I go down to Sussex at the weekend, and certainly my local town is absolutely rammed with people. Yeah. Huge numbers of people out walking on the streets, going into the shops. I went to a shopping area, because I had to buy, because of course, um, school starts this week, right? Mm. So I had the dreaded... Um, oh, his blazer doesn't fit. Better yeah. get a new one, right? Call up this place, uh, which is the only, as far as we knew, we found another one, luckily, the, on, the only place where you can buy the school uniform. This is like a fucking oh, monopoly, yeah, It's always right? a racket, isn't it's it? It's a complete racket. It's yeah. on one of these housing, you know, these the industrial estates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you kind of go... How did you get the fucking franchise for this thing? Yeah, because yeah. everybody has to buy you, their school uniform from you. Do you know anyone at the school by any chance? Do you know what they had <laughs> a sign up on their Facebook page uh -huh. basically saying, we will not, it was one of these things like you see on the underground, we will not tolerate rudeness and abuse because obviously they were telling everyone that they couldn't get the stuff ready in time because guess what? They didn't know there was going to be a run mm. on all the school uniforms mm. in September, like there is every bloody year, you know. Mm. And they said anyone who is rude or abusive to our staff mm. will cancel the order. By the way, I've this got is an, the world we're living in. Now. I've got an idea. You know, like Matt Hancock and Boris Johnson, they like bringing in all these new rules and laws yeah, every yeah. day. I've got one. Uh, that everybody, it will be from now on, be against the law to post pictures of your kids in their school uniform going back to school. I saw about 40,000. I don't do Ooh, that. Jimmy's going back to school. So proud. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, do shut up. Yeah, shut up. No also, one, why are you no putting one cares pictures about of your... your kid except you. Also, it's really not a great idea to put pictures of your own children on the internet because you what, never know what they're going to be used for. Yeah. You really don't. I mean, I'm, I'm, good I, point, was, mate. Yep. I mean, I now put pictures of my kids when they were younger mm -hmm. because they're older now, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But when they were under the age of, say, 12, mm -hmm. I didn't put any pictures of them yeah. on the internet. Yeah. Absolutely no way. But and neither did I ever identify them. I never even wanted to, anyone to know what their names were. You know? I just feel, Phil, because the other week we discussed about this obsession with kids' exams re results. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Which happens every year, never mind the fiasco this year. Every year, yeah. massive obsession with, oh, look who passed their A-levels. And now going back to school. This weird, weird kind of fixation mm. we have with kids yeah. these days that didn't used to... Uh, exist. I think we should go back to they should be seen, not heard, and well, told exactly. to shut up and sit in the corner of the room. Well, not exactly bother right. us. But this is the thing. Most parents now have no idea how to discipline their kids. Yeah. Most of them are spoiled rotten. Mm. They get what they want. They don't have to even ask for it. They just kind of, their parents just say, well, do you want anything? What would you like? You yeah. want, oh, sorry. There's nothing on the menu that he likes. Yeah. And then, and then, well, then he can't fucking have anything. <laughs> and you then know. what do we end up with? Fucking stupid little snowflakes who want safe spaces at yeah. universities. Right. It's ruining, the bad parenting yes. is ruining the country. And I don't know. Um, I mean, my kids are all quite spoiled, but they're not. In, in, in that way spoiled in the sense that they don't, I mean, they, they, understand, really well they understand that, you know, they're going to get shouted at if they do something wrong. Mm -hmm. And they understand that, you know, they're going to get punished if they do something yeah. wrong. And it's as simple as that. They're that's all you on need. the radio and they're not going to fuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, I say things to them and they kind of look at me and, you know, sometimes their mother looks at me like, did you really say that? Because I say things like, I don't really give a shit. I said, I will go up to your room, I will take your fucking PlayStation and I'll throw it out the fucking window. It doesn't matter to me. It only costs 200 quid. I'll get another one later when you feel like you want to behave but yeah. i'll certainly do it now put i'll put an axe well, we need more dadding like that <laughs> and more more mumming like that because uh, we are churning out generations of useless kids who have no idea what the real world is it feeds into what we were saying earlier schools uh discouraging competition discouraging any sense of failure yeah. uh, and back to this whole business again which is my pet bugbear at the moment of you know i had a guy on the phone today telling me that he works in it and he said um the thing is that we're all much more productive working from home. 
And I said, well, it's not very productive for people who are trying to make uh, inquiries about things that they wanted to call a call centre about, because the yeah. call centre workers were working from home, mm -hmm. and they haven't got the answers to any of the questions. So how do you figure that's productive? Mm -hmm. And he did that thing where he went, oh, well, of course, there might be a few issues with that. Yeah. Like, a few issues, you say. Yeah, well, yeah. if you're a call centre, either you can help people or you can't. And if you can't help them, you might as well shut the call exactly. centre down and not bother. Oh. And he said, well, the thing is, he said, people can get things delivered now. I said, have you seen the roads lately? Do you <laughs> wonder why the roads are so completely chock-a-block? Because everybody's ordering everything online. Nobody's going out. Mm. So every time you order, he's like, well, they could deliver it on a bike. Yeah, well, so what, you get a double bed delivered on a bike, do you? When people are surveyed and they are asked, do, do you uh, find it that you are much more efficient and work harder when you're working from home? They go, definitely. They go, I'll tell you what, uh, I don't have to go to work. Uh, it's easy. I just get, I do it in my dressing room. Right. Yes, I'm much more productive. Oh, and guess and what? And that's a lie, folks. And guess what? That's a lie. Guess what? You'll have seen that story this week about the furlough um, frauds. Yeah. The people who have basically pretended to be on furlough. Oh, while yeah. Their, while 3 their .5 billion quid's While their yeah. companies have basically been telling them to carry on working. I mean, I suppose you can't really blame the government, but they should have seen that coming. You yeah. know, that some people are not particularly truthful if you're going to hand out free money. If you go, right, um, how many workers you've got? Uh, I've got 1,000. Mm -hmm. um, OK, how many of them do you need to put on furlough? Uh, about 1,000. Yeah. And then you keep 500 of them working yeah. and take the money from the government. This is the, there's a whole illusion about what's been going on during the coronavirus crisis. Uh, there's what you're talking about, the furlough. Everyone was uh, straight on the straight and narrow yeah. about that, were they hell? Uh, and also, of course, it's the, the obeying of lockdown rules and of coronavirus rules. Did you see the story at the weekend? Thousands and thousands of people who've come back from quarantined oh, yeah. holiday areas yeah. haven't gone into quarantine. No shit. Big surprise. Really? Big surprise. Well, of course they haven't. I mean, we've had people, countless people, telling us stories of how, you know, nobody's checking at the airport where they're coming mm. from. Nobody's looking at the QR code that they're supposed to have downloaded. Nobody's looking at the online... Um, you know, form that they've filled out. Mm. They're just coming home and nobody's checking up on them when they're home. Oh, of course not, of course not. Because they can't, there's too many of them. So the, so the government and their propaganda machine is going to try to say, or already is trying to say, that this is why we might have a second wave because people are ignoring the mm. rules, uh, they're, they're not going into quarantine. The, tra the fact is, you take a country like, well, Sweden is mm. now in good shape, right. never had a lockdown. America I mean, I've didn't never really... Been one, I've never been one to buy that comparison, though, because they are very different but countries. But America never really had a lockdown. They were a shambles in terms of what they did. They're coming out of it. Mm. Uh, the truth is... Is it's probable or possible that all the stuff our little government and their diktats did didn't have much effect. Mm. Uh, we're just reaching some sort of uh, herd immunity. It's it's kind of uh, plateau. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel like it's dangerous anymore. It doesn't. It really it doesn't. doesn't. Why would we be, as a nation, absolutely petrified of a disease, a virus that, frankly, now is basically killing no one? Right. It, it's the flu. Hmm. You get you don't feel very well for a while, yeah. and then you feel better. Yes. Right when you get the flu. Right. I mean, Why I said are we so the petrified? Day. And if we did, can you imagine if we did what we're currently doing in terms of these figures of infections every single year with every single infectious disease, like for example the common cold, right? So every day there's a press briefing, and the, mm. the, the, the head of the um, you know health department comes out and says mm. there's another seventy-five thousand people infected today with the common cold. What? And none of them are going to die, but they're all going to not feel very well. Yeah. And then the noses are going to run. Yeah, this is and it. every day it would go up. And every day for a while it would, it, would, it, would, it would rise and rise and rise and rise. And then it would disappear. Why would you do that? I'll tell you what. I mean, well, 
that's what we do with coronavirus. That's exactly what we do. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a, uh, essentially now a non-fatal condition that makes people feel pretty bad for a couple of weeks. Not or, everybody, though. Not, Quite some, a lot of people don't feel of bad at all. These 17 to 21-year-olds, most of them are asymptomatic, no. don't even feel that they've got it. Uh, and yet, this government is determined that we're terrified, that we're petrified, we're in a state of panic. And Boris... He's got to start doing a bit of forward planning because that's not going to do mm. him any good. What he needs to do is to get this nation back to work and get this economy back on the tracks because well, this economy is going to crash so badly and it's going to fuck him sideways. But, you know, when I watched him at Prime Minister's Questions last Wednesday, I thought he didn't look right at all. I mean, I don't mean necessarily physically, but mentally he was very bad-tempered. Well, he wasn't on his game. And maybe mm. he was just out of practice because he hadn't done it for a he while. He was terrible, wasn't he? Like but it was awful. Mm. I mean, he really wasn't good. I mean, Starmer wasn't any better, mind no, you. No, Starmer had a bad week It didn't well. make for a particularly well, interesting high viewing. Point, uh, in, in PMQs last week was uh, furiously saying to Starmer, Will he join me yeah. in congratulating children on their exam results? Yeah. What's Starmer going to say? No, I won't. Yeah, right. Also, yeah. they're not actually their exam results. They're the ones you made up yeah, for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I refuse to congratulate my son Right, who did really well in his GCSEs. Because yeah. I'm like, well, you didn't do really well, yeah, actually, yeah. did you? You actually just got given a mark by somebody who thought that's what you yeah. might have got if you'd taken the what bloody exam. What did you exam. say, bollocks, kid? Don't let it go to your head. You're still <laughs> thick. Dad of the year. I mean, you know, absolutely. No, but you've got to keep him on their toes. You can't go... I mean, I mean that's another thing people were doing on Facebook. You know, I almost jumped on a guy... Um, but I thought if I do it, they'll just take it the wrong way because sometimes people do with me, you know. Because mm. he was like, oh, I just want to say how proud we are of little, whatever his fucking name was, <laughs> little Johnny. And I was going to say, well, hang on a minute, what's he done? He hasn't done anything. <laughs> yeah, he just stood, you, stood there and somebody worked, said, you works, passed. Works, oh, look, he's got four A's and a B. No, he hasn't. Yeah. Somebody's just told him he's got four A's yeah. and a B. He didn't actually take an exam. Yeah. So why are you congratulating him, you fucking idiots? Yeah, and now they're talking about delaying the exams next year. Yeah. Why? Because they want to tell have more time off. Tell the fucking kids to catch up. Right. Just tell them to catch up. Yeah, just give them an exam Shit every week. Just give them an exam Get every week. Get these kids used to the fact that's the way life is. That shit yeah. happens. You're going to have to work a bit harder to catch up. The exams are on the time. Yeah, guess uh, what? There's going to be days when you go to catch a train and it won't be there. Because they've cancelled it. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do then? Burst into tears yeah, and roll yeah. yourself Demand up into, the, into a fetal position. You know, also, somebody might burgle your house and steal everything you've got. Shit like that happens as well. Yeah. And guess what? You might get in a car and it crashes into somebody else's car and then you've got to fucking go to hospital and then you've got to make an insurance claim and sometime or other around, you know, when your parents get a bit older, they're going to die and yeah. you're going to have to organise yeah. their funeral. Exactly. So get with the programme. I'll tell you where shit happens. A lot. Everywhere Michelle Barnier goes. That's true. Uh, what is Luckily, he uh, he's exempt from quarantine because he's a diplomat, of course. So oh, when yeah. he comes over with his gang, yeah. none of them have to do any quarantine. So how have we got a quarantine exactly? Exactly. It's pathetic, right? isn't it? Well, how are we supposed to respect the quarantine rules when, oh, these are VIPs, they don't have to do Do you it. know, the list of people who are exempt from quarantine oh. is literally as long as you're on. Uh, it includes BBC engineers. It includes... Um, people who work for Eurostar and Eurotunnel. It includes all medical staff. Mm. It includes members of charities, NGOs. Uh, I mean, you know, literally the list is endless. Well, it's like face masks, the exemptions from face masks. Anyone who thinks they might get a panic attack. How do you enforce that? You can't, can you? Well, it's uh, like that ridiculous instruction of the quarantine. You know, don't go out unless you absolutely really have to. Yeah, yeah. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> I really have to go out. No, don't go out That's unless it. you want to. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really have to go out. I promise you. Yeah. But to go back to Barnier, yeah. uh, Barnier's uh, uh, stance is intransigent on the fishing debate, yes. the new Cod War. 
even though there are no cods left. Uh, in our no, they've waters. had the ball out. The they've Spain, it, they've Spanish it off. Yeah, they, they've gone on holiday <laughs> to Greece. They can't get back. They've been quarantined. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, he, so what he's saying is that when we leave the EU, uh, uh, obviously our sovereign waters become our waters. Right. We are in charge of them, uh, but we're not in charge of the fish in them. Of course. Uh, well, actually, Michelle, oh, the fish we European. are. Oh, the so, fish European, yeah, The point about the fishing is that, that people misconstrue what our stance is. They think we're going to take over our sovereign waters, mm. which we will, yeah. 200 uh, kilometres around the coast right. of Britain, uh, and not allow French or Spanish trawlers or Scandinavian mm. trawlers into our waters. That's right. not true. Well, I'm assuming we're going to flog no, them to no, space. We, uh, we've always, uh, before the EU existed, before the common market existed, we always yeah. let them in. Right. But we call the shots for right. our waters. You can come in on our terms. And these are how many fish so you can get. So this is how many of the, you can come in. Right. Uh, there may be financial arrangements, mm -hmm. but we call the shots. Yeah. If it's our sovereign waters, how can he logically say, oh, no, no, it stays as it is, as it is. Is. Right. The EU's in charge of your well, waters. Well, it's not, is it? Is it bollocks? But this is like the same argument they're having about Northern Ireland, where apparently, and I was talking to Richard Tice about this, he knows a fair bit about mm. the EU, mm -hmm. and I said, look, this idea that somehow we have to get an arrangement with <coughs> Northern Ireland, which is approved by the EU, why? What's it got to do with them? Well, you know, they've got nothing to do with the United Kingdom anymore. Mm -hmm. We have left the European Union. It is not for them to tell us yeah, 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 yeah. how to do business with Northern Ireland. Yeah, this Piss is off. It's exactly what I had a, a fishing uh, guy on uh, my show last week. Mm. And he said that, I said, well, why can't we just take back our waters right. and start fishing them ourselves? If these Europeans want to fuck us around, we'll fish our own waters yeah. and feed ourselves. Well, the trouble is we haven't got enough but fishermen. He said, no, that he, then he starts going, oh, well, you see, the thing is about the EU quotas. I said, well... We're leaving the EU. Fuck their quotas. Right, exactly. Fuck their Here's quotas. Here's your new quota. People do not. Fuck all. People do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, see Jack later. shit. <laughs> Yeah, here's how many cod you can have, yeah, yeah, bugger yeah, all. Yeah. Right? Uh, but why can't people get it through their heads that when we leave the EU, EU quotas, EU Don't rules, matter. EU laws mean nothing no. to us? I had a very confusing conversation with a caller this week who, came, who claimed, slightly conspiratorially, that actually our fishing fleet is not British because it's somehow owned by loads of other foreign countries, which might be true because apparently there's something called quota swapping, whereby, you know, so basically the boat that, that comes out of, you know, Hull mm. or Grimsby mm -hmm. is actually owned by some company in Holland. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me, yeah. and it doesn't bother me either. As long as they're British fishermen, yeah. and as long as they're British registered boats, mm. technically that's a British yeah. fishermen's yeah. boat, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and, and uh, our fishermen, I mean, it's a small industry in this country. Because it's but been whistled but down. it's very symbolic. It's important to us. It symbolically. is. But also, we don't and eat as much fish as they do in, in Europe anyway, so we would sell it all to them anyway, wouldn't we? Well, yeah, we will continue to do that. They're lang uh, our langoustines are very prized in Spain. Yes. Uh, in fact, all over the world. Uh, so our I, once, fish I once ate dinner in a place called the Three Chimneys, oh. which is on the Isle of Skye. And the langoustine, I've literally, it's a great, I, I think they changed hands. They it sold good, it, yeah. but, the, but it had a Michelin star. Um, and it was one of these places in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you literally, you know. It, yeah. And langoustine came from the lock which was literally yeah. a stone's throw from the restaurant. It was good. Yeah, it was great. Really yeah. good. Well, the, our fishermen have hated it every day of their lives since Ted Heath gave away our fishing rights right. uh, half a century or so ago. He's got quite a lot to answer yeah, for, Yeah, he Ted really Heath, fucking he? has. Uh, and they want us to uh, take back control of our waters and to dictate what the Spanish, French and Scandinavian uh, trawlers can do. Mm. And they will be thrilled for, for that. And that's the whole point of the fishing negotiations 
it's to return power to our fishermen, yeah. which seems to me to be what leaving Europe is all about. Well, exactly. Self-determination. Yeah. And people who are on the Remain side of the argument, of course, have all started piping up again. It's all going to be a disaster. Yeah. You wait and see. You know, you see what's going to happen. It's going to be a nightmare. And they have no more idea of how much of a nightmare it's going to be than they did two years ago when they started saying it, you know. And they just repeat the same old cobblers. And Barnier knows that if they, if they, if they piss us around too much yeah. and we leave with a bad sort of uh, yeah. odour... Yeah then that's not going to be helpful to them because other countries will look at that and go, this is how they treat you, we're out as well. Well, what I think uh, is that Boris and, uh, still wants to get uh, a deal. I uh, think so. Because uh, you'd but, better, it's better but, to get a deal if you but, can get one which works. Yeah, but if you look at the Irish situation, he's gone back and looked at what our negotiators agreed to yeah. and thought, actually, this is a bit shit. Mm. Uh, so he's demanding changes to that. So he's getting very, very tough with Barnier. Mm. He's not going to move on the fishing. Barnier looks like a worried man. Mm. And Boris is definitely, in my mind, proceeding like a guy. Uh, I heard Richard Tice say to you, uh, on the basis that no deal is better than yeah. a bad deal. And he'll be getting a lot of pressure from, from Brussels and from Strasbourg by people saying, you've got to sort this out. Mm -hmm. You've got to come back with something. Barnier and, looks worried you know, to me. He it, looks yeah. worried to me. Well, also, you know, you know you're in a good place with The Guardian... Uh, makes its front page headline, you know, um, oh, apparently the EU doesn't trust us. No, oh, good. Well, I'm good. pleased about that. Yeah, well, that's, that's feelings that's, mutual. That's not bad news, mate. That's good news. That's feelings mutual. Uh, it's uh, Boris is saying five weeks to do the deal yeah. or not to do the deal. Right. Uh, these are going to be interesting times. I think they are. But at least we get to talk about something other than bloody COVID-19. Yeah, it's, not... it's great to get back to Brexit, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> I mean, I have to say, when I started looking at it all again this morning to read all the stuff in the papers, I was just going... Christ, I mean, because there were times last year when you literally thought we'd be doing this forever. Yeah. I mean, I was in that tent of common sense, yeah, as we yeah, used to yeah, call yeah. it. And you get these people trudging in and out, you know. Well, you know, the thing is, um, we can't vote for this because uh, it's not a real deal. And I had that ridiculous conversation with Lisa Nandy, yeah. who pretended that there'd never been a deal. <laughs> and, and said that, you know, it wasn't a deal. And uh, it's one of my favourite comments of the year, actually, because at one point she just turned to me and said, you're just being difficult now. I remember that. <laughs> To which the mother of my children said she should try living with you. I just, Lisa Nandy has always confused me because everyone hails her as the great, brilliant hope of female Well, even politics. the Labour Party didn't she's think useless. she was up to much. I mean, they, even, even, I mean, I wish in a way I wish she'd been made the, 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 the leader because she might have been a bit uh, more charismatic than old uh, robot about, she's about, she makes it. She's you know. about as cogent and consistent as Diane Abbott and Dawn Butler. She's a sort of millionaire version of, of Dawn Butler and, yeah. and Diane Abbott put together, isn't she? Yeah, what about those two, like, oh. Extinction Rebellion? Great. Well done. Oh, shit, I'd better get rid of that. Actually, if I read the, the, the law correctly, uh, Dawn, both of them said that this was within the law. What they did was restrain trade yes. illegally. Right. Uh, so the newspapers trying to get their papers to just distribute them out. If you get in the way of someone's legal pursuit yeah. of their trade, mm. that's against the law. Well, so I don't think their demonstration was also, legal. Also, if it wasn't against the law, why did they get fined? Yeah. Because they fined a yeah, bunch yeah, of them, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which is exactly as it should be. So it wasn't it wasn't a legal demonstration. No. That's a lie. No. Extinction absolutely. Rebellion, they're just liars. They're there's just no liars, there's yeah. no climate change emergency. There's climate change, there's global warming. It is not Well, I watched Dan Wooden yesterday trying to interview some tosser from Extinction Rebellion and asking him, why did you have to take out these two claims from your documentary with Kieran Knight, yeah. which you told me about? Yeah. And he couldn't answer the questions. Yeah. Because well, he wouldn't answer the questions, they got them wrong. 
Do they deliberately lie? It's faux science. They make this stuff up. What they had to take out was the claim that hundreds of thousands of people all over the world have died mm. in the past year from air pollution. Yeah. It's absolutely it's unsubstantial. Of course it is. It's and then they go, well, but these are the UN's figures. You like cannot, the UN is some kind of great body of science. It's you, not. You cannot prove that that's true. It's literally... Uh, that thing about lies, damn lies, and yeah. statistics. They're just plucking these figures out of the air mm. to put us into a state of panic. That film was called Why We Should Panic. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason to panic, don't folks. Panic. Those people don't give a fuck about climate no. change. They just want to smash capitalism. Exactly. Uh, that's, that's well, it's the, new, it's the new uh, black, isn't it? Basically, uh, find yeah. some statistics, yeah. make an argument around them, and go, look, see? Yeah, told yeah. you. I told you. Yeah, they're a quasi-religious doom cult they dealing really in an inaccuracies. I'll tell you what they are. Are as well, a bit like Black Lives Matter, they're very good at fundraising. They oh, have yeah. got a lot well, of, of course, money. Because, because, because all these nut, nutcase lefties yeah, yeah. Uh, who've got loads of money, like Sir Mark Rylance, yeah. you know, uh, loves to go out and sort of, it's not even his real name, by the way, so he talks about, let's be honest about the climate. What's and his real go, name then? Bob real, Smith or something? something like that, yeah. <laughs> he changed his name, right? To, to sound more actor. To sound more actor. He claims he changed it because somebody else already was in equity with oh, the same okay, name, okay. that old chestnut. But somehow his real he's got Robin Reliance. Yeah, but he's, but he's somehow got this <laughs> name which sort of suggests a bit of uh, aristocracy. Rylance. Mark Rylance, because it makes me sound very literate. He also, by the way, uh, was had had fellatio performed on him <laughs> in uh, in reality for a film, because of course he can't act getting a blowjob. He has to actually get one. No. So this is a guy who's a bit fucking weird, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. You know. Yeah, well, it's one way to make acting work for you. Well, isn't exactly it? right. I mean, you know, there are easier ways, but there we are. Anyway, we seem to have come to the end of yet another sparkling uh, edition of the Thought Police. Um, so I guess we'll have to wait another week to see what the numpties that run this government are actually doing. Uh. Um, no, it'll, it'll be downhill all the way. It'll be, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll have to be in separate to chambers next week because <laughs> we'll have had another lockdown and we'll have to sit <laughs> in the same fucking room. Wear our hazmat suits. Exactly right. We'll see you next week. I had a fishing uh, guy on uh, my show last week mm. and he said that I said well why can't we just take back our waters right. and start fishing them ourselves if these Europeans want to fuck us around we'll fish our own waters yeah. and feed ourselves well the trouble is we haven't got enough fishermen said, no, the, he, then he starts going oh well you see the thing is about the EU quotas I said well we're leaving the EU fuck their quotas right, exactly. fuck their quotas here's your new quota people do not fuck all people do <laughs> <laughs> You know, see you Jack later. shit. <laughs> yeah, here's how many cods you can have. Yeah, yeah, Bugger yeah, all. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, we used to go to Spitalfields, right, where they had all these five-a-side mm. pitches. But we entered one time into a, um, a competition that was going to be held at Highbury, right? So we went on at Highbury. It's great because, you know, it's always nice to go in behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. They had this fantastic, um, you know, five-a-side pitch, and it was a whole, a whole lot of different media teams. And we ended up doing quite well, getting into like the semi-final. We played against Sky, and Sky had um, Sir Alex Ferguson's son working there at the time. This is the guy who I think later on became uh, an agent. agent yeah. yeah, and the one that he boycotted the BBC over mm -hmm. because they basically accused him of being. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we had a guy in our team called Bob McKenzie, who was a rather sort of um, stocky Scotsman who kind of played right back in five aside. He never really moved; he just stood at right back. You know. <laughs> Anyway, he got into a bit of a tussle. Rock of the defence, literally. Yeah, he got into a bit of a tussle with this guy, Ferguson. And he got, they both got up and he just went smack. He smacked him straight in the mouth, knocked him out, got sent off. I'm going, what are you doing? Yeah, he's like, I'm not having that. Fuck up. They're fucking, you know, he swore at me.
I will go up to your room, I will take your fucking PlayStation, and I'll throw it out the fucking window. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs>